we want people to be the best they can in every sphere of life. So if you're talking about arts and entertainment and the creative specifically, how do you be the best in that industry? How do you be the best? And it's not even necessarily the best at your craft. It's the best of being a person. So whether it's a writer out in publishing or whether it's a musician in the industry or whether it's someone in Dance Academy or whether it's somebody creating photos or painting or artwork, whatever it is, be the light of Christ in your industry. And if we're talking arts and entertainment, it's about bringing the the transformative message of Christ to that sphere so that people in that world find the love and grace and hope of Jesus. This is the Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond and create. I'm Rich Langton, and on today's episode, we have Joel LaBelle, lead pastor for Hillsong Australia. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode. It's so great to have you along for the journey. On this episode, we speak to Joel LaBelle. He's our lead pastor here in Australia for Hillsong Church. And as such, he leads over 30 locations and we have over 85 services across a weekend. But when it comes to creativity, Pastor Joel is one of the most creative communicators that I know. I think you'll find that his way of thinking, his way of approaching life is unique. He's quite creative in his approach to life and to speaking and to the platform. He's very laid back, he's very relaxed, and you'll find that he has a strong personal conviction around rest. And that's a personal challenge to me. Along with that, he speaks from a pastoral perspective, but the things he talks about can be applied to any area of life and to creativity. So let's get into the interview and I'll talk to you afterwards. Um, well, it is fantastic to have one of my personal heroes and role models, Pastor Joel Abel here, joining us in our creative podcast studio. He is the lead pastor of Hillsong Australia with his wife, Julia. Joel, thank you so much. Great, Gabe. Good to be here. Um, so people know you, Joel Abel, lead pastor. Um, we know that you have a wife, two children, yep. one dog. Um, yes. All these things are pretty evident from looking at your social platforms and whatever else. What are some other things about you that we might not be as well acquainted with? I like surfing. Uh, I do that as much as I can. Would you say that's probably one of your best kind of recharge unwinding ways? To- yeah, surfing is a great way to recharge. Being in the water at the beach. Um, it's funny because you can be out there for hours and have talked to nobody. And it, it's so fine. I went for a surf just a couple of days ago by myself and I think there was two other people in the water and, and I was remarking to myself how weird it is that you sit there, surfers sit there amongst other surfers and say nothing for an entire surf. So tell me this, when you're out in the water, is it a, this sounds deeper than I mean it to be, is it a spiritual experience? Is it you and God hanging out or is it just you and your thoughts just completely switching off? Look, I think it can be a spiritual experience. I'd probably call it more of a soul experience. I think um, a, a space where you can hang out with God and talk to Him, you can do that anywhere. What the ocean seems to do is replenish your soul. Um, it's soothing, it's calming. The, the ocean, salt water is good for your skin. I'd say more for your soul than your spirit. 
but sure, yeah, it, it yeah. would do both. No, I mean, and I'm keen to unpack this a bit further as we go, but one thing that you've taught our church about oftentimes is the importance of looking after your soul and yeah. making sure that all those different parts of yourself are healthy. Is that something that you have had to, um, as your role leading our church here in Australia has gotten bigger, have you had to fight to kind of keep that in your own life or has that been something that's been a core value, easy to hold on to? You know, I don't think I was born with that core value. It's something that I learned and adopted probably in the early 2000s and it was out of necessity. It was because life was getting manic, getting crazy, getting full, getting busy, stressed. And now it's something that I really strongly strive for and protect. And so it's become a learned behaviour these days. But everybody's still susceptible to stress and pressure and busyness and I, I find myself fighting for a, a soul that is free and a soul that can slow down and, and one that can be whole and healthy on the inside. It's interesting when you read through Hebrews, Hebrews 4 is a chapter that talks about rest mm-hmm. and it talks about a, a, a day that God will give us, a rest that is promised. And we know that the promises of God are activated by faith. Mm-hmm. So rest is a promise that you have to obtain by faith. Mm-hmm. But in that chapter, it says, make every effort to enter that rest. In some translations, it says, strive to enter his rest. And I find the vocabulary fascinating that the one thing we should strive and work our heads off to do is to rest. Yeah, it's amazing. And this is something that you've taught our church on quite a bit. Like I've got pages of notes from you on topics very similar to this. Um, I think it's something that you, from what I observe, you carry that in your own self, but it's not something we see a lot of uh, in leaders of big organizations or even other people around us in our own day-to-day lives. You said you learned that out of necessity. Was it something you just kind of figured out by yourself? Did it take someone on the outside pointing it out to you that you needed to develop this? What was the catalyst for that? Yeah, I mean, the catalyst would have been absolute frustration and um, and internal turmoil uh, where just being busy and stressed. And so I was uh, through a, a period of journey praying through it and you know, really crying out to God, help me, this is, I'm drowning, I, I can't handle the stress, the pressure. It just you know, it was weighing on family and relationships and marriage. And I think uh, that mixed with a couple of like really incredible encounters with God where it became very apparent that I needed to be desperate about this and do something about it. And at the same time, at the it was through the middle of a Hillsong conference one night. At the end of the night, I was sitting in the lounge talking to Joseph Prince and he said to me, you should read this book called In Praise of Slow by Carl Honori. And he said, I, I think it'll be a great help to you. And we were having this discussion about slowing down on the inside and just operating in God's grace and um, I read that and it had a profound effect on me. So I think that book, the conversation with Joseph, some of my own frustrations and inabilities to really slow down on the inside mixed with just this incredible encounter with the Lord helped to formulate some things in my own life. And then I started to get some runs on the board, started to figure out how to control some of these things and these mechanisms and live a life a little bit more free from the hustle and bustle that our society seems to project on us and say that you have to play this line, this party line, if you really want to succeed. Yeah, it's true. And um, I mean, that book you mentioned in Praise of Slow is a, mm. it's a classic book. And one thing that you talk about 
regularly is the the need to live fast or walk fast but live slow. Sorry if I get the terminology yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, run fast on the outside, walk slow on the inside. Yeah, and I look around at our church and I look at the amount of activity in our church, yeah. um, the, all the different things that are happening from weekend services to midweek events and the calendar can look very full. So for you as the lead pastor um, and also by way of encouragement to other people living big lives out there, how do you maintain that when the calendar has still got lots of things slotted in? Look, there's a, there's a real fallacy that you have to actually do everything that's in front of you or that you have to talk to everybody or you have to answer everyone's question or you have to reply to every phone call or you have to be on top of every notification on your phone. And it's simply not true. You don't have to do any of those things. Every telephone has a green button and a red button. You don't have to press the green button every time it rings. But I'm amazed how many people do that. I'm in conversations with people and halfway, mid-flight in a conversation, mid-flight in a sentence, their phone will ring and they'll answer it just to simply say, can't talk right now, I'm with somebody, can I call you back? I'm thinking, what was the point of answering that? That's what voicemail's for. So we have all these mindsets that control us and dominate us and rule us and they're mindsets that we've created. So you have to first notice those things and then figure out ways to live contrary to that so that you can really obtain that rest. Um, there's little things you can do. There's little secrets. You can just not run down the hallway, not run through the foyer, not run up and down the stairs. Um, I find that most of it, to be honest, is a scheduling issue. If I have a, a meeting from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. and my next meeting starts from 2 p.m. to 2.30, I'm already late because there's no gap between the 1 o'clock and the 2 o'clock meeting. But we just don't think that way. We, we don't allow those edges. There's an incredible scripture in the Old Testament that talks about uh, Israel. It's actually a, a message about prosperity and blessing and favour in the land and that one of the instructions from the law is to never harvest your field to the edges or the, or the borders of your boundary because you're meant to leave a gap for those that are poor to come through your field after you and harvest or glean from what's left of your harvest. And so if that's in regard to agriculture, which is to help those that are hungry. Well, think about all the people around our lives that are hungry for attention, for love, for time, uh, uh, you know, for anything. If we harvest to the edge of our boundaries, our time schedule, then I'm not interruptible. And people who are needing help cannot come through and glean. So think about the poor. The poor in our world are the people that just need help from us, whether, whether it's I need help from you, I just need you to encourage me at the moment, I'm feeling a bit depressed. Well, if you're living to the extreme boundaries of your emotional capacity, you actually don't have anything left for me to glean just the edges of your life gap. Right, completely. So I need you to not be so full and busy so that when I come to you as a friend, I feel like you can at least say, oh, hi, Joel, it's great to see you. But if I harvest to the edges of my life with regard to time, energy, space, mentalities, emotions, everything, I've got nothing left for you. It's a powerful thought and one that's pretty mindset shifting, paradigm shifting to mm. think about. Um, I think for you, I look at how much you carry for our church, the weight of responsibility, but also the weight of, of teaching and preaching um, yeah. that you have to carry. Are you constantly trying to like, okay, Joel, slow down? 
or do you have like a fairly consistent rhythm when it comes time for you to sit and prepare a message for a weekend or another service? Do you have to go, okay, Joel, time to move into this zone or is it all <laughs> happening pretty organically for you? Look, I think it's different for everybody. I could talk about how it works for me, but it doesn't necessarily help everyone because you've got to find your own zone. And mm. this is the the magic of creativity. Mm. We're, we're hopefully talking to a whole bunch of creatives right now. I'm sure others would be listening, but some people work best under the pump. Some creative people, their their best artwork is with a deadline and they may procrastinate for days or weeks and they finally get to, it's due at four o'clock this afternoon and they produce something that they never would have done if they had have just, you know, marched it out slowly. Right, absolutely. So you've got to work according to how you function and your personality and those things. What I would say is don't try and change who you are don't get frustrated with how you operate, but there are plenty of other gaps that you can create. Right. So there are, there's, you can find space in other ways. If, yep. you, if you work best under pressure like that, I wouldn't say create a schedule where you can just meander throughout the day and have your creativity. I would just say look for other ways to refuel and other ways to fill your tank and other ways to de-stress and for ways to enter in to God's peace and, you know, you know, find it in those ways. Because it's not, I think the issue for us is when we live maxed always, it's not that we're under pressure for a couple of hours this afternoon to meet a deadline. It's that when you live that way 24-7, your body will stop. Yeah. And that's what you're trying to avoid. Yeah, completely. And like you think about your car, you drive down the road, if you drive a shift stick, you get a manual, then mm-hmm. you, you can rev it out. And if you're trying to get up a hill, you shift down a couple of gears so that you can get up. So cars, you know, the, the RPMs, they go up, they go down. You don't drive a car sitting at 2,000 revs in fourth gear the entire day right, everywhere right, you go. Yep. You're shifting, you're changing. And so I think sometimes people when they think about this whole idea of rest and productivity and success and living a free and healthy soul, that there's just this monotone, bland reality you're shopping for, which I think is crazy. I think you've got to go with what's happening in life. But understand you don't have to take every call. Understand you can create gaps. Understand you can put a little bit of space. Go for a walk around the block if that's what you need. Yeah. What's amazing to me as well is seeing how many people feel guilty about resting or they feel like they they should be doing something. That'll rob you straight away, right? Completely. Um, one thing people may or may not know about you is you've got a background in IT. Um, <laughs> yes. Systems and structures, those kind of things clearly are part of your routine and part of your everyday. Uh, do you think that they enhance creativity or do you think that they limit it? Uh, both. Uh-huh. I would definitely say both. Every technology piece has to pass the tool toy test. Right. So if it helps me and releases me and empowers me, it's a great tool. Right. If it is a toy that rules my time and creates a habit where I am glued to this thing and I'm completely distracted from the world around me, then it starts as a toy, but it's going to become a distraction. So social media, it could be a toy, it could be a tool. It it could be something that you could use to leverage marketing. You could use it to leverage uh, connectivity. But as you look around in our world, um, I just heard recently that McDonald's have phone safes now in some of their restaurants so that when a family comes in to have dinner at McDonald's, can you believe this? At McDonald's, they all put their phones into a safe. No. Yep, into a locker, take the key, sit down, have dinner as a family without their phones. 
Are you serious? So McDonald's is working this out. People all around the world are working it out. Yep. My own family, we've sat down to dinner, the four of us, yep. Jules and I, the two kids, and then a few minutes later we'll look up and the first one to notice laughs because all four of us are on our phones <laughs> talking to somebody that's not even at the table. Exactly, not even in the room. Not even in the room. So you've got to use technology to advance you and to help you and I wouldn't get too funny about it and freak out about it but just try and become aware, is it ruling you? Is technology distracting you from the things that are most important to you, from the things that are most important to God? And then if you can answer some of those questions and create discussion, I think you'll find your own healthy lines. You talk about you wanting to use technology to aid us growing the church, not distracting us. Yeah. As a leader um, and as a church leader, what are the things that matter to you? What are some of those metrics that you're looking at to kind of see the health of our, our staff or our church? What are the things that stick out in your mind? Well, the objective of all growth on earth is Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the ultimate thing. Any piece of technology that can help aid and deliver a journey towards Christ-likeness is going to be a great piece of technology. Uh, so um, whether it's helping uh, track attendance or whether it's helping you to attend yourself, it could be Maps Inside a Church app that gets me from home to church. Uh, it could be courses that are available in my local church that help me connect and grow spiritually. It could be the Uversion app. It could be um, anything like the resource, uh, songs to download. So to me, everything's got to filter through this end game of Christ-likeness. If, it, if it's going to help somebody become more like Jesus, it's a great invention. That's what matters most. Totally. That's all that matters. Hey, if this is your first time listening, our podcast is brought to you by the Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference. It's a conference for all creatives and it happens every year. Check out more information at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Hi, I'm Jolla Bell. I'm the lead pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia, and this is my Fantastic Four. The favourite place to recharge would be near the ocean. It wouldn't even matter what beach, just the ocean. If I can see the ocean, it's a good day. The latest book I just got through was called, I think, The Seven Mountain Mandate. And it's all about spheres and the seven mountains of society. Beautiful. If I could get a flight this afternoon, right now, I would be straight to Hawaii. One meal with a person throughout history would be C.S. Lewis. I would love to have a meal with C.S. Lewis. He's had a profound impact on my life in some of his readings. I could keep going. There'd be a bunch of people, actually, when I think about it. My mind's rattling right now. I'd love to, I would have loved to have had a meal with Keith Green. That would have been awesome. The Apostle Paul, Moses, Jesus, obviously.
Well, we are here talking with our lead pastor of Hillsong Church Australia, Joel LaBelle. Um, Joel, everything that you are saying through our conversation here today, it's inspiring for me. Um, I know that it will be helping a lot of people. And one way you make sure that that happens is through a bunch of different platforms. You're active um, online. I see you on yep. everything from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram, a bunch of different platforms, all these things that are there. Um, and one of the things that I noticed a little while ago was on Collected where you did a post about the preaching roster that you have to set out every month for yeah, who wow. speaks yep. at every single one of our Hillsong locations in every in single one of our yeah. services um, across Australia, which is pretty amazing. And one of the things that you mentioned in there, it, you might not even remembered it, is that it's the job of the senior leader to be developing future leaders before the need even arises. That's right. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, obviously both that's important, but how do you pinpoint that in people where they might not even see it themselves yet? Uh, well, you've got to see it. You've got to be able to see it in somebody. So people who never get the opportunity to do any type of public speaking, whether it's just praying or uh, giving an announcement or um, leading a group chat or something, if, if you can't see it, you can't develop that. Um, there are some personalities that look like they might be really gifted and great up front. Your personality, Gabe, lends itself to immediately before I even look at whether before I even see you up front, your personality type's already going to lend itself to, I think that guy could be good up front. And so you try to create opportunities to see what that's going to be like. Some right. people are great in, in front of a crowd without a microphone. Um, so it's, it's looking for signs of what would be great up front and developing that. And then you, you've got to create opportunity, which could be in youth ministry, it could be in college, it could be in small groups, it could be in all kinds of things. Okay, so tell me about this. How do you set up those people for success how do you find the right environment to kind of see where they're at and to kind of give them the chance to fly or whatever else? What's that like? So you need to, you, you've got to help people. You've got to help the crowd that they're about to speak to and you've got to help the individual that's about to speak and make sure that everybody's being set up for a win. Having said that, um, people that get up for the first time usually do have a lot more grace from a crowd, especially if you can set them up properly. If you, if you can get up and, you know, if you were to get up and say, uh, Joel's one of our great young leaders and he's, he's about to come up, he's never done this before, but, you know, we've been working together and he's got a great thought together. Why don't you give him a great encouragement? Everyone's, yeah. So I come up and even if I fumble my way through it a little bit, the, the crowd are so gracious, people are so forgiving because they understand you've set me up. You help me. Now, if you just said, uh, he, here's Jolly, he's going to come up and share and I get up and I fumble my way through it, people don't have any context that I've never done this before, that I'm new to this. And so they're like, well, this, what, what's this guy doing on stage? He should know what he's doing. So you can help set people up by the way you introduce them, by the way you uh, top and tail or just frame what they're going to do. One of the great things you can do is just um, – if, if you were to get me up to pray over the prayer request in a service, but instead of just throwing it to me and I get up and I've got to do it cold, you could start the conversation. We're going to church, we're going to pray and Joel's going to come and pray. And instead of getting me to fumble my way through prayer requests, you do that for me and then you just give me the microphone and get me to pray. So there's lots of ways that you can help me to be successful. And it's those little opportunities. If I can do that really well, that shows you straight away actually Joel could be really good at this and you can give me wider opportunities and bigger opportunities where now I get up off the back of a song and do that whole moment myself instead of being introduced by you. 
Wow, that's really practical. And like, I love that your heart is always for the person because you're wanting to see them develop and your heart is for the congregation because you still want them to have a great experience. One thing I've observed you do for many years, and if you can talk about this for a few minutes, I'd be very grateful, is I watch you pastor through the platform. Every single time you're up there, is that something that you're intentional about and habitual about? Are you mindful of that when you get up in front of our church? I'm definitely mindful, definitely. I think that different personalities lend to it in different ways. One of the things that's great with our church and Brian and Bobby are always saying, be yourself and be authentic, be your authentic self. So you need a great synergistic approach in ministry between platform and people. The way I would approach the platform is it's a group of people I'm about to talk to, but it should be not a whole lot disconnected from me talking to one person. So the same uh, care and love and genuine compassion you'd show one person, you just magnify that on a stage to lots of people. And so you can't talk to individuals from the stage. You've got to talk to them corporately, but you can be mindful of individuals and you've got to be more animated. Your animation needs to increase and your volume might need to increase, although that's what microphones are for, and your gestures and your body language and... Your expression needs to increase, but it shouldn't be a lot different between individual and corporate. Right. And is that something that you've had to learn? Is that something you've had to practice? Because, I mean, our church has got some locations that are, you know, no bigger than this podcast studio and then some that fit thousands of people in it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, it can be a lot easier speaking to a small group like that's in this room compared to a stadium with thousands and thousands of people. And that's something you've had to practice and get coaching on and study or is it the kind of thing where you go, you know what, I'm just going to do it the way I do it and hopefully grow into it? Yeah, I think you just, it could be a very long stumble if you do the approach of just, I'll just do what I do and see how I go. Absolutely. You've got to be surrounded by great people who are willing to teach you and we are in a great environment where we are able to coach each other and help each other and I think that's really, really important. You know, one of the fascinating things, Gabe, with leadership and senior leadership when we're letting people have a go is that sadly, if I'm going to let you have a go, I'm always comparing you your first time to how I would have done it, which right. is mean you're, you're never going to be good enough. My I've been first doing this time to your thousandth time. That's right. What I need to do is remember back to my first time. Wow. So when you get up to do this for the first time, I should be comparing that to the first time I ever did this. And I can tell you hands down, you're going to be way better than my first time. So now that's I have that in my back pocket as a way to be gracious towards you because I'm so mindful of the first time I did it. And it was so, so bad. <laughs> so now I'm trying to school you and equip you and help you. But from a foundation of you are already way better than what I was in my first time. But now I can, what's going to come through is I have a genuine love and belief in you. Even though you're not as good as me now, you're way better than my first time. And I think you will feel and you'll pick up that I'm actually for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I want to help you. Right, yeah. And I can easily encourage you that you, you're still way better than the first time I did it. Right. I watch you work closely with a lot of our speakers and a lot of our location pastors and MCs, and it's clear that you're passionate about that. I see you, I know you work closely with our creative team um, week to week in terms of what we're planning as far as the weeks coming up in church and big events and those kind of things. Um, 
as far as your relationship with the creative team, could you please give us a bit of insight week to week, or um, not week to week so much as what you kind of see our creative team contributing to church life and maybe how we can support you as a senior leader? Uh, wow. The, the creative team in our church at Hillsong is stunning and it, and it really is a partnership. We work together. And what I love about our creative is let me tell you what you already do because this is what I'd want you to do if you didn't do it. Right. So what you do do is you function and operate like you're one and the same. You're part of this. It's, it doesn't feel like a separate department. It feels like we're a team and there is a whole aspect of this service that we're about to walk into that is going to be your component as opposed to the service structure or the hosts and greeters and car park team or children's ministry or preaching and we look at the whole thing as a plate and there's steak, veggies, there's some lettuce on the side, some gravy and all those bits and pieces are on the plate to create a, a real yummy meal and it's not like four plates have come out and, you know, all the peas are on that plate and the carrots are over on that plate and the potatoes are over on a different plate and the meat's on another plate. It, it's not like that. It's all sitting on one plate and this comes out in a delicate dish and it's absolutely beautiful. It's five-star dining and it's exquisite. That's very kind of you. Um, and now I'm very hungry as well. So anytime <laughs> you start talking about food, I'm going to go straight there, Yeah. which kind of takes me to uh, the next topic I want to talk about is something you've pioneered in our church, which is the spheres. Yeah. Uh, you've really kind of brought that to life and to the forefront of what we're doing, which we're very grateful for. And for the creatives that we're involved with, a lot of them are involved in the arts and entertainment sphere, yeah. uh, which is fantastic. I would love to hear from you about the role you can see the creatives of our church playing outside the four walls of the church and how that can relate to what we do as part of the spheres. Yeah, I think for the longest time in Hillsong, uh, Pastor Brian has always talked to us and to all of us, but especially preachers, you make sure you preach to people's Monday, not just their Sunday. And I think we've known for a long time that church is not just what happens inside these walls and we run from the big bad community and hide here and do our service and then sneakily you know, go back out into society. It's it's all about infiltration. It's about transformation. God wants to save the planet and not just save the planet in regard to the people. He's redeeming all of creation. Amen. All the plantation, all the vegetation, everything in, in life. So the spheres come into play when you realize that every human that attends a service actually lives and operates in a different sphere of life. Well, the smartest thing to do is to put Christ, the teaching of Christ, so solidly inside the heart of every person that when they go back into their sphere, they're bringing that transformative message to their sphere. So when it comes to creatives in that particular sphere of arts and entertainment, it is about realising that every person in creative, we have more people in creative that actually are in that sphere outside the church in the marketplace Absolutely. than are on staff inside our church. Yeah. So we want people to be the best they can in every sphere of life. So if you're talking about arts and entertainment and the creative specifically, how do you be the best in that industry? How do you be the best? And it's not even necessarily the best at your craft. It's the best of being a person, being the kind, being kind and being patient and being loving and gracious and accepting and tolerant and being Christ, being all things to all people, being Christ in that sphere. So I think promotions are waiting for us when we love and serve and we create an excellence with our craft and our gift. So whether it's a writer out in publishing or whether it's a musician in the industry or whether it's someone 
in Dance Academy or whether it's somebody mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. photos or painting or artwork, whatever it is, be the light of Christ in your industry. And if we're talking arts and entertainment, it's about bringing the, the transformative message of Christ to that sphere so that people in that world find the love and grace and hope of Jesus. Amazing. And this approach to the spheres is now so foundational to our church and I know to our team, um, but it hasn't always been this way. A lot of times pastors might have a different view and they might say, no, 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 it's all got to be in the church. And if you're not doing it in the church, then we're not interested. Um, But this approach encourages both what we do inside the four walls and outside. And it feels like that would be much more of a releasing way to lead. Well, it's a Bible way. To lead, and I think in the past, wherever we have struggled, it's because of mindsets. And and granted, it could be because we have been hurt in society, or we've been in an oppressive society where the church is not allowed to be to function the way it was, and freedoms uh, are inhibited. And maybe that's what creates some of those mindsets. But uh, when Jesus came to Earth to reveal the love of the Father, he talked clearly mm. that his mandate and mission was to reach all humans, not just churches not people inside the four walls. If anything, the people inside the four walls are a collection of people in every sphere of society that just congregate together around a common thread of worshipping Christ, honouring His Word, living a transformed life, taking next steps towards becoming more like Him. And so when we go back out to where we came from, we're just spreading that love and that grace. I love that approach. Pastor Joel LaBelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Gabe. On our creative podcast, and we can't wait to have you back soon. At Hillsong Creative, we talk lots about being Christian first and then creative. It's a combination of both. We're not just creative and not just Christian, but we're Christians who create. And so I love how Joel LaBelle in that interview talked about going out into our worlds and being Christian as we create. And I've been asked, why would we talk so much about team and church and kingdom kind of things on a creative podcast? Well, it would be because our worldview is that they're inseparable. We're Christians and we're creative. We serve Christ first and then we outwork that serving Christ within our creativity. And that might see you doing that on a weekend in a, in a church service or it might you might find yourself out during the week in your architecture business or in your studio painting and doing artwork or, or at your desk writing and creating poetry. Our creativity is an extension of our Christianity. That's the way we see it and that's the way I'd encourage you to see it too. Also in the interview, Pastor Joel talked about rest and having a healthy soul, something that's really important to having longevity when it comes to creativity and just life in general. And we've got to focus on that in our creative compass, which is where we're going to switch gears now and talk about vitality. All right, guys. So today we're talking about vitality. It's an interesting word, an unusual word. It's it's not uh, often in my vocab using the word vitality. Um, But as you know, we chose it specifically to, because I guess because it fits into our acronym really nicely, (laughs) but also because it fits, um, it speaks to health and attention to our health as a team and our vital signs as a team. But let's talk about how how we, um, I guess, how we've swung the pendulum uh, as far as care um, for each other and ourselves in our team. Um, Who wants to kick us off? Now, this is something that I think I'm realizing more and more when we talk about vitality and the balance between people being well and 
as as people and then and versus what they not versus but in addition to what they contribute i'm finding that the conversations i have and if people say if people are doing well as people as in holistically as a person then i find that i rarely have to have the conversation about for example upskilling mm-hmm. if i'm a guitarist in other words is i think god has built in an inherent nature in us to want to get better in what we do so but i think in terms of when people are healthy you almost don't need to encourage them to get better at what they do so mm-hmm. when we talk about vital signs and and all that kind of stuff when we looked when when we address the things that make up a healthy person that in a sense feeds into the rest of whatever whatever it is we're doing like people will mm. if you're doing well as a person if rich is healthy as a person holistically physically well spiritually you know as a dad as a husband and everything yeah. else mm. i can almost guarantee that the rest of the things that you find yourself being part of in terms of church activity will actually progress quite well mm. and you won't find i won't find myself having a challenge you know whoever or you in, in your skill because you will want to get better because yeah. you're doing then but the moment you're deficient though in any one of these areas it's only a matter of time because before two three four other things maybe take a hit do you think though uh, in our instance um we're running at a fast pace there's always a lot to be done and and another activity you know another conference or another service or another album or another tour or you know the list yeah. goes on yeah. there's always lots to be doing and so from the perspective of a team of achievers people want to achieve and they want to get it done and therefore sometimes i think we neglect mm. the wider well exactly what you're saying the wider health of the person we put this thing on the list so that we don't do that yeah um, that's right but then what's the i guess the difficulty is in that in that responsibility is it the person's the individual's responsibility to make sure they're healthy in every mm-hmm. area or is it ours i think it's it's the person's responsibility but as leaders and pastors it's something we should totally be paying attention to yeah, that's right. because because at the pace that we go we always and we're not going to slow down so there's always something new happening something new coming up you can i guess because of pressures that you feel as a leader start to use people as a means to an end i need to get this done i need this person to do that mm. where well, we actually as mature leaders should be thinking about what is in their best interest not just what is in ours but mm. i think cuz sometimes you respond to different pressures but in a perfect world, your leader would be like, how are you going with this? And consider you and all of, you know, what yeah. they're asking you to be involved in. But I remember a season when I learned from myself, like I actually have to figure out what I can't, what I, I don't have to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And when I do, that doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. but I have to figure out what I need to say no to because no one's going to decide that for me. And yeah. if I'm saying yes to everything, that's not that person's fault. That's mm-hmm. my own responsibility. So yeah. I'm the one that has to kind of steward my own heart, mind, Yes. the pace I'm going at. And there's there's a little bit of, that's a tricky thing, isn't it? Because mm. if you're in an environment where, you, where you're looking for opportunity, you want God to use you, then saying no to something is almost like you're cutting off God's blessing or God's right, opportunity right, right. for you. And, yeah, and right. that takes some some humility and some maturity to even totally. work that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. So right. the individual, it's tricky. And I, I think as leaders of of people, we need to be mindful of, of that dynamic yeah. and even right. be pastoring people through that. Um, and I guess alongside that, working that through for ourselves, yeah. making sure that we're, we're approaching things the right way as well. Um, even as leaders, like for example, if Annie does say no to me for requests, he said that, I think as a mature leader, I've got to see beyond the no. In other words, it's not Annie saying, I don't want to be part of this and I don't want to contribute. Yeah. 
there's a reason she said no. Mm. And I think that then hopefully if I'm a mature enough of a leader, mm. I won't read that as and is does not want to be part of this anymore right. or she's not committed or she's not. No, yes. no, no. Yeah. In some ways, if I'm a, a mature enough leader, I'll under, actually respect her even more and potentially even go, oh, you've decided to do this for mm. a very, very valid reason. So this actually, in a sense, speaks more highly of you than it does Right. You know, then it does actually mm. speak. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Now, I'm not questioning your commitment anymore. Right. I'm actually mature enough to see that I know why she said no. Mm. She's mom. She's a wife. There's life's happening, and she just needs to do to sort. You know, to I guess be yeah. contributing to that part of her world. Mm. Yes. So, and having a long term approach. Exactly isn't it? Right. right. So rather than this particular thing that needs to get done, and that person let me down because they said no. Exactly. It's right. more about the long term approach of the person's health. Mm. And, exactly. And I guess. Trusting God that He's going to build the team, build the church, build the kingdom mm-hmm. for the lo- in the long term, and I'm going with that as well. And I think, like Annie said, like if, even though there's somebody's responsibility individually to look after themselves, I think that's absolutely right. I think where the leader comes in is that the leader has maybe you look at signs along the way, whereas you may not be actively, you don't make, you can't make anyone grow and you can't make anyone be healthy. Right. But you possibly can read signs along the way that tell you whether somebody is or isn't heading in the healthy direction. Mm. And then maybe that sparks a conversation. Yeah. But the actual responsibility of growth is always going to sit with the individual. Mm. I think you're right. absolutely right. And then there's, um, then there's the whole, I guess, putting yourself second as a leader. Um, so sometimes the easy thing is to ask the person that you know is going to do it and, and they're going to say yes, for starters. They're going to get it done and they're probably doing that at their own detriment. But mm. for you, that's easy because, you know, you can just it's dump covered. it on them and, <laughs> and move on. Yeah. And then uh, yep, I, I think true. as mature pastors and leaders, we need to be considering mm. the holistically the person's life. Yeah. And therefore sometimes that means taking the harder approach uh, raising up another person to do that task right. or or asking someone someone else or doing it ourselves or whatever that might exactly be. Right. Mm. Mm. I guess practically then, for, for people to take home this week, practically how do we personally do that in our own lives? Annie, you mentioned saying no to something. Is that, yeah, well, is that something you I try to I think what do? I used to do is I would be asked something and I would think about that situation and go, yes, and now I actually have to look at the whole big picture. If I've said yes to 10 things, by the end of the week, am I going to be like a crazy lady yelling <laughs> at my kids and stressed out? So I'd try and actually take a step back and go, is this a yes? Looking mm. at the big picture, is this the, the best thing for me, for my family? Mm. Not everything is a huge deal like that, but actually just trying to balance everything out instead of just being reactionary. Yeah. It's great. How about you, Mush? I think it's being able to kind of have those diff- different, I guess, avenues of life. Like, for example, if you're going to say yes or no to a certain request to be part of something within you know, the church and all that, how, what else have you said no to along the way, mm-hmm. on the way to saying yes? And, you know, like family, your physical health, your, mm-hmm. you know, like everything else. Have you, have you deferred all those things mm-hmm. on the way to doing this? And maybe... Mm. You need to actually say no to this because of that. But mm. if you don't have clarity on what those other things are, mm. then you do. there is a temptation to just keep saying yes because you're not even clear on what you're missing out on. Mm. So I think defining what the rest of life looks like helps you determine if you do have the capacity for this yes or no. Yeah. So, For me, I think I've had to look at what my life is about and mm-hmm. what I believe God has called me to as a person and as right. a family and, and realise what those yeses and nos are and um, and then manage life accordingly. And right. so for us, I noticed that we 
um, sometimes we will have no time to ourselves. And so late at night, we're starting to watch Netflix or, you know, something just to have some time to ourselves or, or the perception of time to ourselves. And I realised that that was meaning we're staying up really late, which is nothing to do with being busy. It's just, a, it's a mental priority list or mm. mental sort of trying to have my own time. And so then cutting that out, being disciplined in that area, because I've already said yes to to other things mm-hmm. and managing my sort of vitality yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, in that way. So it's not just about the week-to-week things, but even the little details of of discipline and personal life and all of that mm-hmm. and working out what is what big picture, what do I feel called to, what am I meant to be doing, and then cutting out the things that are actually just nice-to-haves yeah, or, or little other things. But what you're saying, making those decisions is predicated by actually having defined values of what the rest of life looks like then. Yeah. Like if I'm going to say I won't sit and watch Netflix tonight mm-hmm. for another three hours before I go to bed, why? Or because I'm yeah, going to get up in the morning and go for a jog. Right. But if you haven't defined that, then yeah. what? Then going to bed yeah. early has no actual value. Right. And I mean, for me, I, I found myself being tired all the time yeah. and blaming the busyness of life. Yeah, exactly. And then right. realizing it's not actually because we're busy, it's because I stay up too late. Yeah, you know, right. exactly. the little things. That's right. It's not because we've got other things to do, it's because yeah. of my own sort of selfishness or, yeah. or wanting to entertain myself or whatever it is. Um, I, th- I don't know if we touched on it, but, you know, the, the team member who will give everything, what do you, how do you help them? How do you help the person who, who they'll just give their whole life and more and love doing it, even though it's unhealthy? What do you do with that? Do you know what I mean? Like that just says yes to everything? Yeah. yeah, the yes person. The thing is, you can't change them, right? But you can ask very pointed questions about the rest of their world. So, yeah, you're incredible in terms of every roster you like confirmed, mm. every rehearsal, every request to do an activity here, you're there. Mm. Okay, Let's put it on the side for a second. Let's look at the rest of it. If you're a dad, let's talk about fatherhood. Let's talk about being a mm. husband. Let's talk about being, mm. let's talk about your health, physical yeah. health. Let's talk about your walk with God as, as far as, you know, worship and, mm. and devotions are concerned. Let's talk about the rest of life. Mm. And let's talk about how defined and how healthy that is or isn't. Mm. Right. And then once we, we, we if, which if it is, like we're saying, if it is really heavily weighted on one end, you'll uncover pretty quickly what it looks like on that front. Now, it's still on the person who actually make to take this, take a step and yeah. change, but the identifying part of it, I think you can potentially even help. You know, as leaders, maybe we can help with that. Mm. So yeah. I don't know, maybe. Well, that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.